0: Hey mama, stop what you're doing right now and join my birth classes. It is open enrollment and it's a special one because we have added some extra new bonuses just for you. And hint, hint, don't forget that insurance may reimburse you and you can also use your HSA or your FSA to pay for birth classes. So it's a no brainer. If you join this week, you're gonna get not only a huge discount by using the code birth all in caps, Cause you know you are, but you're also going to get six or seven bonuses. Bonus number one, you're going to get 30 days free in my mama membership, which is where all the magic is happening. After 30 days, you can leave us if you want. Boo hoo. Or you can stay with us for 19 a month. And some of my mamas stay with me for years, if that tells you anything. You're also gonna get bonus number two, which is my newborn academy, bonus three, the birth coach class, bonus four, the postpartum recovery roadmap class, along with some other bonuses. And if you join by Friday night at midnight, you're gonna get my birthing waves, which is a brand new course and it's guided meditations for labor and beyond. Brand spanky new and I'm so excited to welcome you in. Don't forget, we hang out with all of our students. Every Wednesday, we have a pregnancy hangout via Zoom where you get to see my face and my doulas every single Wednesday. I'll see you on the inside. Go to labornursemama.com forward slash the word calm, C-A-L-M, labornursemama.com forward slash calm. I'll see you on the inside. My name is Trish Ware, and I am obsessed with all things pregnancy and birth and helping you to navigate both the practical and the magical seasons of this journey called motherhood. I'm an all-day coffee-sipping mama of seven. I've had the amazing privilege of delivering many babies in my 15-plus year career as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mama of seven. I'm here to help you take the guesswork out of childbirth so you can make the choices that are right for you and your baby. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not replace your medical advice. Check out our full disclaimer at the bottom of the show notes. Hello, everyone. I am super excited about doing this podcast today because we have a birth story. And I love, love sharing birth stories. And I know you guys like to listen to them. So today's guest is Susanna, and she is one of my Calm Labor Confident Birth Course students. And we are just so happy to have you. Thank you so much for coming today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: I want you to tell everybody just a little bit about you and what number baby this was, all the fun stuff.
1: Yeah, so this was my first baby. Yeah, so he was born at like 39 weeks and six days. I've been married for about a year and a half now to my husband, and I'm a little bit of a crazy person. I got married right out of high school, so I'm super young. And just a couple months after marriage, I was, I'm ready. Let's have some kids. And my husband thought I was a little bit crazy. Beforehand, before we got married, I was like, yeah, let's wait a couple years, and then we'll think about kids. And he was like, I want to have kids right away. And then about a month after we got married, he was like, oh, I'm good. We can wait a while to have kids. And I'm like, no, I want kids now. That sounds nice. So yeah, so we got pregnant. And then I just had our baby boy in August. So he's three months old now.
0: So I remember when you joined us because you told me right away that you were young. I was young when I had my first two. So I get it. So how did you find us? Was it fearless birth experience?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So in March, it was the March fearless birth experience. I honestly have no clue how I found your account, but I found your account on Instagram and I saw that there was this like birth experience and I'm the youngest of nine kids. So I've got lots and lots of birth stories from my sisters, from my sister-in-law's. And a lot of them are like traumatic. And so I just knew that I wanted to have a good experience. And so I wanted to be able to learn more about it. So I took the fearless birth experience. And that was just what I wanted. So I decided to sign up for the classes then and then learn about it from there.
0: So I remember when you first started coming to the Hangouts and you were torn between finishing your degree or doing something with school, right? Something like that?
1: Yeah. So when we were, my husband and I were first married, we were up in Rexburg and we were both going to school. So I took some on-campus classes there and then we moved a couple hours away. And so I decided to keep going on my degree, but just like on an online level And I realized that if I didn't at least get to my associate's degree, then my credits would drop. And so I decided to keep taking these credits while I was pregnant. And I had originally signed up for full credits when I was about like 25, 30 weeks. And I was supposed to be taking these classes up until I was 37 weeks pregnant. And that just stressed me out of my mind. And I talked with you, Trish. And we decided that was not a good plan to be stressed right up until having a baby. So I decided to just take a couple of courses instead of the full load. And so I did that and I'm still working on that right now. And I'm just going to finish my associate's degree. And then maybe a few years down the road when all of my kids are a little bit older, then I'll finish on to my bachelor's.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think it's so like, Just do what you have to do and what fits with you and your family. And one of the things that I've come to in the last year or so is that if it's not like an enthusiastic yes, then it's a no. So if like I don't have peace about a decision, like if there's this lingering doubt or wondering or what if, then it's a no, at least for right now.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree.
0: Yeah. So I think you made the right decision. Okay. So you found us through fearless birth experience. And for those of you guys who are new to listening, we do something called fearless birth experience, which is five days of free little mini birth class teasers. And we have a group and a community and we do hangouts. And it's a lot of fun because inside of our birth classes, we have weekly pregnancy hangouts on Zoom with me and my doulas. So you joined us and you came to the hangouts. You were pretty regular at the hangouts. I know that for sure. And that makes such a difference, doesn't it? With your fear
1: Yeah. Any questions that you have, you always get the support from 37 weeks on. It's nice to have that one-on-one you and your doulas check in every day and it's great to have that. But before that, sometimes you have this appointment with your OB and things just don't go good or you're just confused. And it's nice to have the weekly hangout that you can update. And knowing that you guys want what's best for us is super great because then you can give us your advice and I just, I trusted you guys just like that. And it was a good decision.
0: (laughs) I'm glad that you did. So tell us about your pregnancy. How was your pregnancy?
1: It was good. It was really good. I feel like everything went pretty normal. I had a, honestly, a pretty easy pregnancy. I didn't get super sick in the first trimester, a little bit nauseous, but all pretty normal. Second trimester was amazing third trimester was honestly dreadful (laughs) starting at 34 weeks I feel like time dragged on that's like my main regret is that I you guys always told us that first-time moms just expect to go to 42 weeks if you want to go into spontaneous labor and in my mind I was like yeah they say that but they don't know me I'm different history yeah I'll be different I promise I was my mom was like oh no like I had all All nine of you were born like before your due date, you were born at 38 weeks. I'm like, sweet, like, I've got a good thing going on. I'm sure I'll have the baby 39 weeks max. No, 37 weeks comes rolling around, then 38 weeks, and then 39 weeks hits. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is terrible. Like, I really was convinced I was going to have a baby by this point. And so that was like the hardest part for me is those like last few weeks seemed like months. Like that was like the longest part ever. (laughs) And so I ended up being induced because I just couldn't handle it anymore.
0: And you know that we support you whatever you decide to do. We do recommend that you try to focus on that 42 week date And just for those of you guys listening, whenever, whether it was a patient before or now a student or someone reaches out to me on Instagram and they're like, I just, I have a feeling, I know I'm going to come early, like my mom, my aunt, my grandma all went early. I just want to invite you all to remember that you and this baby equal this pregnancy and there's never been one of these before. It's unique. It's this one, and you really just don't know. Even if it were your third pregnancy and the first two were early, there's still a chance this pregnancy won't be early. We just recommend you focus on 42 weeks. However, as Susanna knows, if we are supporting you which she was saying at 37 weeks we have what we call the labor bat signal and we have our virtual access students will initiate their labor bat signal and we help navigate those decisions and questions and concerns and frustrations and pains and all the things coming out of your body whatever it is we help you navigate so I remember when you were like playing back and forth and really stressed that you were still pregnant
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I was very stressed I was like I don't understand I thought that this baby was supposed to come out this baby's never gonna come out like he just wants to stay in there And it was very like silly and immature of me to think that even at 39 weeks, that if I hadn't had the baby, then he's never going to come because that is very false. I'm sure he would have come eventually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've really I don't think I've ever personally met someone who stayed pregnant forever. (laughs)
1: I don't think so either, (laughs) but it feels like it in that moment. (laughs) It feels like it's never going to (laughs) end.
0: So now for those of you guys listening, I have spent a lot of time with Susanna and so have my doula since the baby came out because we have weekly postpartum hangouts. So I already know that she has had to navigate some guilt and stress for choosing to be induced. So we're joking lightheartedly, but you've had to navigate some like heavy emotions regarding that.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, it definitely was something that I had to learn to overcome and realize that I'm not going to be perfect and that there's always going to be a next time because I always said from 20 weeks on, I was like, okay, I'm going into spontaneous labor. I'm not going to be induced. But then I just have to think, you've coached me through this, Trish. The Susanna then was not like emotionally, forgive her. Think of it in a third person. Like I'm going to forgive myself because when I was at 39 weeks, I just got really emotional and I was driving myself crazy trying to get into labor. And I just physically didn't feel like I could go another day. So I did end up getting induced and something that's really helped me a lot that was per your suggestion was to write down all of my feelings. I just wrote down everything that I was frustrated over, everything that I would do different if I could go back. And that has helped a lot. And now I feel like I've come to terms with it and realized that like I would do things differently next baby and that's okay. You know, it was my first time going around. So
0: And you know what I would encourage you to do this is just I, I know we talked about that on the hangout about you journaling and all that and just getting it out stop letting it play around in your head but you know what i'm thinking too is next baby i'm gonna be like okay girl when you hit 39 weeks and you're losing it again i'm gonna say go grab that that narrative get that out read it and so she can talk to you she can talk to that one so that you don't because it is it's so easy to say oh yeah i'm gonna wait for spontaneous labor but when you're back hurt you're but hurts, you feel like your vagina is falling out, and you just can't get up and down out of bed and you can't sleep, and you're longing to hold this sweet baby. It is hard.
1: Yeah, the anticipation of having a baby is really hard. That's why I told my husband, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna tell my OB, like when I very like when I get pregnant next, and I go in for my next appointment, I'm gonna be like, kay Whatever my due date is, fast forward that two weeks and then tell me that's my due date because <laughs> maybe that would make me feel better. I don't think they can actually do that. But seriously, the anticipation of like when they're going to come, if you had a set date, like they're for sure going to come on this date it would make things so much easier.
0: <laughs> that's why a lot of people choose to be induced. However, I know you have it in you to push past that next time.
1: Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And being induced definitely has its pros and cons for sure.
0: (laughs) Oh, I 100% agree with you. And with my baby number three, we were moving from Florida to Tennessee and I had a very narrow window to have him in Florida opposed to Tennessee. And I was like, I do not want to have him in a state. I don't know anyone. And so I was induced with him. And there are legit reasons for you guys to choose induction, whether it's out of convenience or frustration or whatever, as long as your body's ready for induction. Now, if you're listening and one of the things I teach my students is your Bishop score. And that tells us how likely you you are for your induction to end in a vaginal delivery. If it's a low score and it's unlikely, then I would say whatever the reason, unless it's a medical reason that baby and you are better off separated, you don't need to do it. Wait as much as you can because you don't want to end up in the OR because you're just frustrated with being pregnant. But so let's go ahead and share with everyone your story. So you were scheduled to be induced. And what type of induction?
1: Yeah. So it was just like a light induction. So I actually went in at 39 in five days. So my OB had done a membrane sweep at 39 weeks. And then I think that also added to the frustration because he was like, okay, like your body's pretty ready. Like I was three centimeters dilated, which we learned doesn't really mean anything, but I was 80% of face. So I was like, okay, that means something like that means my body is slightly ready. So at 39 weeks and five days, I was um, a little bit frustrated that the membrane sweep hadn't worked. And so I called my OB and just scheduled a membrane sweep. So I went in and I had the membrane sweep. And that's when I just asked him what an induction would look like. And he thought that my body would do well with it, which it did go well considering it was an induction. And so he Did the membrane sweep. He told me he thought he would see me in later that day, which of course he didn't. (laughs) And then the next day we scheduled an induction for that morning. So I went in on that Tuesday morning and they started me at about 9 a.m. They just broke my waters, didn't give me any Pitocin at first. And that started contractions about seven to eight minutes apart. So it started things going. It was pretty slow moving. It honestly felt a lot faster.
0: And what what were you dilated to?
1: So I was at a three. I was still at the three.
0: Okay. It, it three and,
1: centimeters.
0: And you know that I don't recommend having your water broken so early. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you guys listening, it doesn't always go well. So I recommend waiting until you're af- actively changing your cervix. However... Sometimes it's an appropriate – and it's not a medication, so you're not having a medical induction. But nine times out of ten, if you start with your water being broken, you're going to end up on Pitocin. So I prefer the opposite is to let the Pitocin get things flowing, get your body going, and then do your water. I'm just throwing that out there for listeners who are not a student. (laughs) So you know that. Oh, yeah.
1: no For sure. But
0: you started Uh, out with good numbers. So that's good.
1: Yeah. So I started out with pretty good numbers. And that is one thing that I guess I didn't fully realize before was that breaking your water, I think, does make They say that it makes contractions like harder. So I guess in my mind, I didn't, I was just dismissing that. And I was thinking this will make it easier than the Pitocin. They ended up giving me Pitocin anyways, just like you said. It would have definitely been better to just start out with Pitocin. And then hopefully my waters would have broken on their own. And I think it would have been, for me, it would have been like halvesies. I think it would have been fine either way. It would have been hard either way. But yeah, if your numbers aren't good and they break your water, then that starts that clock. And if you're not going, then yeah, it's not going to end up good in the long run.
0: But I will say, too, that as far as them breaking your water, if you guys are listening, once you are in a good active labor pattern and... The only way we really know you're in labor is not contractions. It's that you're making cervical change, whether it's effacement, dilation, station, all the different things. But if you are a good five to six and making cervical change, it is totally okay to to let your provider break your water if you want, but you don't have to. Okay. So water's broken and you're moving around the room. You're laying in bed. What are you doing?
1: So I started moving around the room at first. They had a birth ball, like a yoga ball that they brought in, and so I started on that. But I realized very soon that I had really bad back labor, and so that kind of threw things for a loop. And so I, one of my sister in laws, she's had all natural births, and she's like, "Hey, I've had really bad back labor. I suspected that I would have had back labor, and counter pressure helps a lot." And so. I laid up like against the headboard and then I had my husband put like a lot of counter pressure on my back every time I had a contraction and that helped a ton. And so that's where I stayed most of the time that I went unmedicated is most of the time I was leaning up against that bed and were that he you, was
0: applying pressure. You were using your labor bat signal, right? Were you chatting with the doulas or were they giving you any position options? Or were you not using your labor bat signal? Yeah,
1: I wasn't using it super well. I used it like that morning when I first went in. But then as soon as the contractions start, honestly, even though they were like seven to eight minutes apart, in my head, they felt like three minutes, like they felt like they were fast. Like I kept asking my husband, I was like, hey, they've got to be like three minutes. How far apart was that one? No, that one was eight minutes apart. I'm like, Oh, my heavens. That started to, like, throw me for a loop, too, is because it felt so much faster in between. Yeah. And so I well, didn't think about the labor bat signal. And
0: you were... Whole- in your defense, what do we tell you? When you're in labor, your only job is to labor. So for if you're a student and you're listening or you're considering being a student, that's when you show your partner or your birth coach how to use the labor bat signal. And the reason I'm saying that is because your baby was in a wonky position. That's why you were having that. And we would know that and we know exactly what positions to tell you, although counterpressure is literally... My favorite thing in labor, myself, but positioning is so stinking important. So, if you find yourself having intense back labor, it is usually a sign that baby has gotten into a wonky position, whether they're OP or whether their head is just even slightly turned a little bit. And that's where I love the labor bat signal. And I wish we had known because. We can tell you the positions that will help open up the pelvis and get the baby into the right position. And I'm sure your nurses may have tried some of those things too, but back labor and weird contraction patterns, sometimes your contractions will double peak. Those are signs that baby is just wonky in some way. So your husband's arms were probably exhausted.
1: Oh yeah. I'm sure they were. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he was a little bit glad once I ended up getting the epidural because <laughs> he was like, yeah, "My he was like, my arms can rest now. Yeah. Looking back, I definitely realized that he was in a bad position and I actually had printed out like different positions based on if he was in a bad position. But in the moment, in yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I printed off the position guide. And I should have had, looking back, I should have had him, like, understand that more and him be like, okay, you need to get into this different position. Because when I was in that moment, I completely forgot about it. Like, it just all went out.
0: And that is... So, okay. So, I don't want you to hold that to yourself at all. We're not carrying that outside of this podcast Mm -hmm. because that's one thing why we say that your partner needs to be as educated as you. And I'm going to make a note that we make sure we tell these new students and the girls in the labor bat signal to go over that position guide with their partner because the way we have it laid out is if you're feeling this, if your nurse says that, if this is happening, do this. And then, of course, you can also say, oh my gosh, in the labor bat signal, this is happening. And if we're awake, if it's not two in the morning, we'll give you some suggestions as well. But that, when you step into that labor room, your only job is to labor. It's not to think about A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. It's only to have yeah. a baby. So that was that. That goes to your team, and we'll just make sure we know. We let the partners know they need to know that guide as well. So yeah. you are now have your epidural. Yeah, yeah. And how so, many centimeters were you when you got your epidural?
1: I was five centimeters. So they like broke my water at nine. I went on my own until about twelve thirty. And then I got the epidural place and they checked me and I was at a five. And then things slowed down from there. Like I completely stopped feeling contractions. Most wild thing ever is to feel them so hard and then have them be completely gone. So weird, (laughs) super crazy. So they gave place the epidural and then that I had them place me from side to side. I knew that was important. So they put sides from side. Put me from side to side and put a peanut ball in between my legs. And then that went on for about four hours and until I was ready to push and keep progressing.
0: That's still a really good short first time labor. Mm -hmm. It really is. Especially being induced. Your body was really ready. I would say that you probably would have gone into labor soon after had, I honestly um,
1: think so. Too.
0: Yeah, because that's a short induction for baby number one. Yeah. Your body, yep. your body was like, yep, I'm doing it. Let's do it. Okay, so yep. you have your epidural. Did you rest? Did you hang out? Were, okay, because a lot of times
1: – I slept, honestly. Okay, I slept. good.
0: good because a lot of times my patients when they get their epidural so for those of you guys listening once you get your epidural the nurse will usually stay at bedside about 20-30 minutes make sure your vital signs are good you're not having a reaction we get you positioned and then what I always recommend is let's turn the lights way down both of you rest. Don't get on your phone. Don't go checking Labor Nurse Mom on Instagram <laughs> and sleep because a lot of times you haven't slept well in weeks. So it's a really good time to rest. But I have a lot of patients who don't listen to me. And then they let grandma and Aunt Sally and Uncle Bob and everybody come and sit in the room and it's chaos. And she's super excited because like you said, she was miserable and now she's feeling nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure, you would recommend resting.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't have anyone else come in the room. That would have stressed me out of my mind, like looking back at it it was a very good thing that I rested because I needed that rest because like I ended up pushing for a decent amount of time depending on your definition of how long pushing is. So it definitely prepared me for that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So when it was time, like, did you start feeling a lot more pressure? What was your signal?
1: Yeah. So I started feeling a ton of pressure. That was the main thing that they had me look out for. And I started feeling pressure around four and they checked me and I was like at a seven. And then I just kept progressing from there. And once I got to a nine, they told me I was at a nine and that kind of like clicked in my head. Like this whole time I was like, I was just thinking like numbers. I was just like, okay, yeah, five, six, seven, eight, nine. But when they said nine, I was like, oh my goodness, I am seriously open that much. I can't believe that. And I started to like freak out and I got those like
0: shivers. I don't remember the what they called them. The epidural shakes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and it, it can yeah. be from trans. It, it It's also a sign of transition, but some epidural yeah. moms get it too yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So I think that's when I was like hitting transition. and so I got super shaky and I got like really sick. I ended up puking everywhere. I, yeah, it was not the most fun. The shakes like threw me for a loop. My husband was like, Is this normal? <laughs> Yeah, they're very. Yeah, it was like uncontrollable. And so I also had like music going on in the background, and that helped to calm me down a lot, actually. The music helped. And then, yeah, puking helped. Honestly, I got really bad heartburn. And I was like, I really need some Tums now. This is bad heartburn. You wouldn't think that Tums would make you puke everywhere. No, I puked everywhere. They didn't give them to me fast enough. But it helped a lot. It made me feel better.
0: And when my patients are that close to pushing and they puke, I secretly am like having a dance party inside because... Puking when, if anybody's listening, put your hand on your tummy and make like a puke motion, and you'll feel in your stomach the exact muscles you need to push a baby out. <laughs> so, I have had patients, I feel bad for them, but I've had patients who have vomited a lot at the end and literally vomit the baby out because they just push. And when you vomit at the end, you're pushing,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly, I didn't even think about that those same muscles are what you use to push. But yeah, I definitely, everything came out. It was so bad.
0: (laughs) I threw up a lot with my first, and this is so terrible. It got all in my hair. And- I was unmedicated and 17 years old and would not listen to anyone. And I wanted that puke out of my hair. And so I got out of bed and went to the sink and made them wash my hair in the sink.
1: <laughs> Man, I cannot believe that. I, that was crazy to me. I had puke all over my hair as well, but I did not even care. Like they were like, here, like we'll change your gown and stuff. And I was like, Okay, sure, but I don't care. Like, I don't even care in this moment. I just want that
0: baby out. Yeah, no, I was like, I could smell it, which was making me puke more. And I was like, gotta get it out. Gotta get it out. So, yeah. And it was terrible too because my sister was also pregnant. We were a week apart and we had planned the entire pregnancy that we were both gonna be in each other's births. And she showed up about the time they were washing my hair. And I was like, no, she cannot come in. Don't let her in. And so she never got to be in there, and it was terrible. I can't believe you
1: were by yourself. I cannot even.
0: No, no. I w- no, I wasn't by myself. My my ex husband was with me, but okay, I'm I, glad that. Yeah. You <laughs>
1: At least yeah. with you being by yourself would be terrible.
0: <laughs> you when you're in transition, you cannot be trusted to make any decisions.
1: <laughs> no, so true. Oh yeah. I totally was like yelling at my husband because he kept on touching my leg. Like he was trying to stroke my leg in the kind gesture and oh, you're okay, you're doing great. And I was like, stop touching my leg. I can't feel it, and it just feels tingly, it just feels weird. He kept on touching my legs and I end up it's like slapping him I was like do not touch my leg again
0: I always teach my patients like a sign and, and I'm sure I know I have it in one and maybe in the birth coach class but a sign that means get the hell off me <laughs> <laughs> so that she doesn't because when you're in early labor or even the beginning of active labor it may comfort you but during transition and the end it may piss you off so you oh, have yeah. to have you have to have a quick way to say get the hell off me and ask no, me yeah. so if you're listening come up with your own little code <laughs> that's easy for her to remember because a lot of times they are so caught up in it. And it, it's just such a new experience that where he may be tracking emotionally with you on a normal circumstance, like he may not be watching your body language enough or your body language may be so foreign to him at that point that he doesn't see that, no, this is not comforting her. This is really aggravating her. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. But I don't recommend slapping. Maybe not that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he ended up forgiving me, luckily.
0: <laughs> what happens in the labor room stays in the labor room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, it doesn't matter if you normally never swear and then you're a sailor or you get a little. Now, I have had patients bite me before. That's over oh the line. Goodness. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and they feel terrible, but it, yeah, that's not fun at all. None. But anyway, okay, so now you're complete, ready to push.
1: Yep. So then I like just started pushing. I honestly did not know before. I don't know if I missed this somewhere in the birth class. I didn't realize that you had to wait for a contraction in order to push. Like that was my main like thing that totally made pushing like so much harder is like, you I just wanted to push through it I just wanted to push and get the baby out I did not want to have to wait for the contractions especially at the very end like I the most miserable part was not pushing which is really interesting I didn't expect that but yeah yeah like waiting to push was hard
0: and it is in the courses It does tell you that, but it's a lot of information. (laughs) It's a lot of information. So that's okay. But yeah, the reason is if you think about this, and I'm pretty sure this is exactly how I say it in the classes, is that it's if you were laying on your back to lift a really huge barbell and Arnold Schwarzenegger walks in and comes behind you and helps you lift it, that's what It is to wait for your uterus. Your uterus is Arnold and you're trying to push. But if you wait for the contraction, it just magnifies the power and it works so much better. And and if you pushed the whole time, you're really compromising the baby as well because during that pushing – The baby has to use their oxygen reserve. So you want to give them that chance. You need to catch your breath, let your uterus build the power back up, and then you work together.
1: Yeah, and I'm definitely very glad that I did wait and didn't just say heck with it and push through because I think that would have made tearing worse and everything would have gone a lot worse for sure.
0: You would have worn yourself out and you really wouldn't have gotten anywhere
1: because it's just...
0: You have to wait for that contraction. It's just more power. Now, at the very end, sometimes it's okay, but for the most part, you want to wait for the power of the contraction, but it it is a relief to push. It really is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it definitely it's is.
0: All right. Yeah. So I know you alluded to your pushing time before, but how long was your pushing time?
1: So it was an hour and a half. So I started pushing at five and then he was born at 6.30.
0: Which is incredibly short. I know, that feels, I don't know, I don't understand how
1: people have different like versions of how long pushing to be. Honestly, most people I tell, they're like, oh my goodness, that was forever. I'm like, some people literally just push their babies out in 10 minutes, apparently. I don't know.
0: (laughs) The majority of first-time moms do not push out in 10 minutes unless they labor down for a long time. You can cut a lot of time off by laboring down.
1: Yeah, yeah, that definitely.
0: But an hour and a half is a really good short amount of time for a first-time mom.
1: Yeah, and it didn't feel like an hour and a half until the very end, like – Pushing honestly wasn't bad. The very end was hard because, especially because they're like crowning and then you have to wait. That felt like a pretty long time. But other than that, it, I feel like it overall went well for sure.
0: So you push him out and did they? Did you do skin to skin?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep. So they like showed him to me. I was like, oh my goodness, like all the chub. I just remember all the rolls. I was so happy. And I was like, I don't know. I honestly had, I showed pretty small, like throughout my whole pregnancy. Severance, you're going to have a small baby. Small babies do not run in my family. Like my family has nine, 10 pound babies. Nice. And so I saw him and I was like, I don't know like what a baby, I don't remember what sizes of a baby looks. I'm like, he's like probably seven pounds. And so then like they brought him up to my chest and I did skin to skin for a minute, but I was a little bit worried about him. Like they cut the umbilical cord. And he just, I think it was just because I hadn't had a baby before and seen like that after the blueness and stuff, it was stressing me out. And I was like, is he like breathing? And I kept on asking them. So they ended up taking him and making sure that like he was breathing and helping him out a little bit and he ended up being fine but then they weighed him and he was eight nine and so I was like oh he was like he was a decent sized fella (laughs) and they're like yep he definitely was but honestly I didn't know the difference so if they tell you that you're having a big baby and you're scared. Don't worry about it. Cause you probably, I couldn't tell the difference. I'm pretty sure he still would have heard just as bad if he was five
0: pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And your body was made to birth him. Yeah, totally. And I always tell you guys, unless your body tells you otherwise, just trust it. Just trust your body. So what, how would you describe those few minutes when you first saw him and they laid him on you?
1: Oh, I was like, so happy. Like I was just like crying of joy. It's just like, amazing to be pregnant for so long, like you're pregnant for nine months. And then to finally actually see him like I knew he was there the whole time. And like, especially the end, like they kick a lot. But it still feels so, so surreal that they're actually there. Like, you're like, wow, like, I actually have a baby in my arms. And like, he's mine. Like he's completely mine. He looks like me. Like it's such a weird, like the most amazing feeling ever. It was really awesome. I loved it.
0: That's amazing. And how has your transition been into postpartum?
1: It's been really good. Actually. I feel like the first little bit, like the first couple weeks were like a little bit rough. I did have a second degree tear. And so I think recovery in general, just those first little bit is, like just makes everything a little bit harder because you're trying to like care for this baby while still recovering yourself. And then after that for a month, I did really good. Recently, I've found myself like being like really anxious sometimes. And so I'm still like trying to like work through that and figuring that out. But overall, I feel like my postpartum period has been really well.
0: That's awesome. And you've been coming to the postpartum hangouts, right? Yeah, I
1: have. Not as religiously as I did the pregnancy hangouts, but when I can make it, I definitely come.
0: (laughs) I love that group of girls. It has just been so beautiful and being able to hang out with you guys and navigate some of the different emotions like postpartum anxiety that is common. And you've got this new little human and your whole life is completely different. And so just giving yourself grace and having a community and having other moms to say, yeah, I felt the same way and here's what I did. And then you find your balance and what helps you. So all of those sisters and brothers, are they nearby or do you live away from them?
1: Yeah. So all of them are, but two. So all of them are in the same valley within 20 minutes of each other, except for I have a brother that lives in Nevada and then a sister in Alabama. So, okay. Yeah. It's really fun to have family around.
0: So are any of them, do any of them have little babies like you? Are you guys oh, all, all of the- them? Do. Yeah. Okay. I have 24
1: nieces and nephews.
0: Holy smokes. <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah.
1: My my little guy was the twenty fifth, so I have tons of nieces and nephews out the wazoo. So I'm always so, surrounded by little kids. That's for sure.
0: So you have experience with babies. That's for sure. And what number are you in the nine? I'm the
1: ninth. I'm the you ninth. Are, you're kid, the
0: baby. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep, nice. Yep. I'm the baby. <laughs> Nice. So I am the baby as well of my family of seven. And then I I have seven. Yeah. Yeah. So I love it. It was so nice to have you on today. And let me ask you this. When you came into our little labor nurse mama world, what do you feel was like the predominant feelings you were feeling before you took the classes and before you had our support?
1: I feel like I was nervous. I just didn't know everything to expect. I had obviously heard lots of birth stories, but when it comes down to the nitty gritty things like Bishop's score and all those different things, like I had no clue about it. And I honestly still think a lot of people who have birthed multiple children, some of them still don't know about it. And so I'm really glad that I took that class because I feel like it made me so much more educated. And when I was educated, then I felt way more confident that I could do it because. I could ask my nurse in the labor room, what is my bishop score? And different things like that. And then it helps me to get a better idea of how far you are along and just everything like that.
0: So I always ask if you could sum it up in one word, what word would you use after taking the classes and having me and the doulas and the other mamas to support you? What is your Amazing, one
1: word? Amazing, empowered, um, okay.
0: I, empowered. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love amazing too. That's fantastic. So you have lifetime access to the classes, baby number two. We'll have your back. I'll be
1: back around. I'm staying with the community too. I'm just, it's never going
0: to end. It's going to be
1: like that, that Netflix subscription that just (laughs) keeps on going. That's how labor nurse mama is. I'm like, okay, this is my thing. This is forever. It's never going away. Oh, I
0: I love it so much. We love you and we love having you. And I will just be celebrating all those babies coming down the line. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, mamas, I hope you enjoyed listening to this birth story. We just love our students so much. As always, if you want to join one of our birth classes, click the link in the show notes. We would love to have you come hang out with us every Wednesday in our pregnancy hangout. Okay, we will see you again next Friday. Bye for now.